Welcome to Rerate Request, where two college professors take a second look at questions and answers from around the internet and from you, the listener. My name is Professor Wal McBurney. And my name is Professor Mark Sheriff. And, well, last night was interesting. The first tornado warning we've had here in Charlottesville in a long time. And let me tell you, I don't think I've figured out a good way to explain to a seven-year-old why you have to go downstairs and sit in a bathtub at midnight. Um... <laughs> but it it was it was an excuse for uh for us to pull out the iPad and she could watch some Daniel Tiger while my wife nodded off to sleep in the bath. <laughs> yeah. How, how was your experience with the 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 uh the tornado warning coming through? So, I have four cats and um th- it it is difficult to to herd them together. I, I hear there's <laughs> a it, metaphor. Is it like herding cats? Yeah. Um, no. So I, you know, we had to get our cats together. We went to the basement. We were in um, our our basement's actually below ground, so that's fairly safe. Um, but the big problem was just trying to get all of our cats into a a, a shared space and to get them to stay there because. You know, we don't have a door on our basement yet. It's it's a remodeling project oh. we want to do. So we're literally oh. trying to hold four cats, <laughs> two of whom don't like to be held. And while there's lightning, they're kind of panicking a little. So that was okay. Lightning I had struck it really close to our house. Yeah. So it was it, it was, was an experience. Loud. I have I have a scratch or two. <laughs> so so we have had tornado-like events mm-hmm. hit relatively close to where we live. Um, just literally uh, probably half a mile from from your neighborhood, mm-hmm. a little bit less than from my neighborhood, kind of in that direction heading south. So when the when the buzzer went off at midnight, we were definitely like, okay, let's grab, I don't know, the iPad and some pillows and right, a yeah. blanket and get cozy in the bathtub. Yeah, well... But, I mean, e- even still, tornadoes are hard to predict, or like when sure. the act- when the actual tornado occurs, just because they tend to form relatively low to the ground, and as good as the radars are, the curvature of the Earth gets in the way. So that's why you should always take a warning seriously, because it means something's happening. Speaking of of natural disasters, you weren't here yet, but we just passed the ten year anniversary of when we had the earthquake. No, I, I, I actually remember the earthquake. A, well, where were you? Well, you were still you were in Pitt though at the time. Not in Pitt, uh, West Virginia. I was at West Virginia. Oh, University. You were still West Virginia. I was oh, God, in, it was I was in um, <laughs> the engineering building. I was on the tenth floor of the building, which was the top floor. And so the way WV's engineering building is set up, it's weird. The tenth floor is like grad lab space, but it was added but they just added it around the elevator equipment that was up there. So the elevator doesn't go to the 10th floor. You have to go up to the ninth and walk up. Um, well, that, that is the, that is what graduate space. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. what graduate space is. Well, nobody came up. Apparently we were supposed to evacuate the building and no one told me. So like, I just kept working because there was no email or alert or anything. It was just like, Oh, that was weird. Um, and I remember I came out of the building an hour and a half later, and somebody is screaming at me, like, why did you ignore the evacuation order? You know, you were supposed to leave. That wasn't voluntary. I'm like, I, nobody, nobody told me. I, I was in a corner lab with a, with a closed door on a floor that most people don't even know exists until they're a grad student. <laughs> the mystery floor. <laughs> I, I was in... So this was also just a couple weeks before our current computer science building at UVA opened. And so I was in our old building, which was next door to it. And I and, and a friend of ours, Tom, um, the earthquakes are happening. We're like, the jackhammers are starting really early today. What's going on here? It's like, and then we're like, oh, crap, the building's coming down. Like we it never crossed our mind right. for the first, I don't know, you know, 20, 30 seconds of this. And then it was like, oh. It's an earthquake. What are we supposed to do? Do I do I stand here in the doorway? Do I go outside? Do I get under a table? It was like exciting. Right. Yeah. I mean, grow, growing up in growing up in North Carolina, you know, it's like, oh, here comes another hurricane. It's like, eh, okay. Yeah. I mean, hurricanes suck. Hurricanes really suck. I really feel super bad for, of course, everyone in in New Orleans and in Louisiana area um, with with Ida coming through. 
But when I was growing up and we had Hurricane Hugo and, and these hurricanes coming through, it sounds bad, but like as a kid, you're like, it's just a hurricane. You just got bored with it. Right. And now it's like, this well, is a new natural also, disaster. You were also fairly far inland too, right? <laughs> that is true. Yeah, it, so, a hurricane is very different when you're near Charlotte, yeah, North exactly. Carolina, as opposed to Wilmington, North Carolina. Right, exactly, exactly. I just, just want to clarify that to people because the distinction <laughs> does matter. <laughs> I would like to clarify that my co-host is not a sociopath. <laughs> yeah, I, de- I just wanted to make sure that was on the record. Um, do you want to you want to bail me out of this now? Yeah. Hey, um, excuse me. What now? Oh, it's it's finally my, it's turn my turn to do this to re- to reciprocate. Uh-oh. So with that, uh, I have a few excuse me what nows, and they are they're kind of themed each of the three. So. Let's start. Uh, if you if you don't recall, we're going to present uh, either excuses that we have received from students or excuses posted on Professor subreddit on uh, Reddit. Professors, I should clarify, plural. Um, and I am going to give two reels and a fake. Uh, and sheriff's job in this case is to pick the fake. So, are you ready? I am. I'm pumped. Give it to me. All right. So here are three cheating cases that I have either received or have seen on the professor subreddit. One. An assignment required students to randomly select three dates between 1800 and 2000 to test their code. Had to deal with date verification and manipulation. Every student was required to make their own tests and to not share their dates with others. When two students used the exact same three dates, as well as the rest of their code being basically identical, one student says they couldn't have cheated because they used their parents' birthday for the dates. The latest date they submitted was July 3rd, 1863, the final day of the Battle of Gettysburg. That's one. Two. Okay. In order to meet an automatic word count on a document for their submission to be accepted, a student added irrelevant white-colored text to the end of the paper. Okay, all right. And then three, a student showed up late to a Scantron exam and cheated off the person in front of them. However, there were two different versions of the exam, and they received a different version. The student ended up with a 10%, but would have had a 70% if they were taking the same exam as the person in front of them. They appealed their grades, stating A, that they did not cheat, and B, that it was unfair the teacher didn't warn them there were two versions of the exam. So oh, which How of- dare you not tell me there's a, a, a honeypot there to catch me. Okay. So we have A, my, my dad was born, <laughs> born in Gettysburg. On, on the last day of Gettysburg. By the way, to, to clear, just to give context, this was 2010 or later when the assignment was... Uh, was submitted. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, the white text to trick an automated word count check. And three, a student saying they couldn't have cheated, but it was unfair to have two versions of the exam, so their cheating got them a lower score. Okay. All right. Um, I'm going to eliminate number two, because I know that's a thing people do. Okay. That is just, uh, that is absolutely, absolutely a thing. <laughs> okay. So... The Gettysburg one is really specific and God, that would be so weird to actually pick to use the excuse of this is your, your parents' birthday. And it was, you know, that date, whereas it's certainly the case, certainly the case that people give multiple different versions of a test. Mm -hmm. Now, whether someone appealed under that sort of, how dare you do this to me? That feels right. I, I'm I am going to go with A. I'm going okay. to go with the date one. That is the one that has been fabricated. That is the one I made up. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, hey! I, I made I made that one up. Um, I thought about doing grandparent, but I don't know. Maybe that would have been more believable. Um, oh well. Okay. So <laughs> no, the A, A, the pro- A was fake. I did not have that. Uh, the the other two came from the professor subreddit. They they were not my personal. All right, I'm ready. Okay. Uh, number, all right, the second one. This relates to uh, homework submissions uh, and things of that nature. So, okay. A, 
A student who had not turned in any assignments emailed their professor several submission confirmation emails they claimed to have received that showed on-time submissions. Someone from IT who was uh, included on the email responded saying the confirmations were valid. The student, however, could not produce the submissions to email to the professor. When the professor contacted someone else in IT, they said that the confirmation numbers were fraudulent and there were no submissions. Ooh, yeah. you got an okay, accomplice. It's an Two. inside job. Okay. Two, a student lost eight points on a 100-point assignment and submitted a regrade request saying his friend had submitted a similar-looking project but got full points. That is, the output of the projects were the same. Okay. When asked, however, the student refused to name their friend. Well, it turns out that their fr uh, the student, by the way, eventually elevated this to the department chair and got them involved. Or it turned out that the student uh, did indeed have a friend who got a 100 out of 100 because they both submitted the exact same 457 lines of code. And then just somehow the one who just happened to get the <laughs> Yeah. So they submitted a request eight points and, 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 and thus got a zero for both of them. Three, a student Oops. proved that the submission system for an assignment was down at 11.30 the night an assignment was due by showing by claiming there was a power outage in the area, which would have taken the, the submission system down. The proof they submitted was the popular but fake satellite picture from the New York City blackout in 2003. This was 2014. Ah! In Pennsylvania. The LMS servers, I believe, are located in Chicago. See, I was hoping you were going to say, and this was from people from last night because of the, <laughs> the yeah. tornado warning in Charlottesville. No, but I got multiple emails like, hey, is class canceled? Yeah. Yeah. Now that we have gone to a world where we can do online. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So. So we've got the IT accomplice. Yes, I, we've got, IT accomplice uh, providing fake verifications. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We have the student who tried to get eight points back and instead exposed themselves to cheating and got zero. Mm -hmm. And we have the power outage. I couldn't submit because of a power outage. And they included very poor evidence. Picture well, off to be clear, of they said... That the system was, that the submission system was down because of the power. Okay. Okay. And they submitted a picture from, like, Wikipedia or something. Well, actually, actually uh, not from Wikipedia because it's a fake picture. There's a famous picture where someone well, okay. literally just blacked out the state of New York, which isn't even how that blackout worked. But they literally just, like, blacked out the shape of New York and they're like, look at this power outage from a satellite photo. And it's obviously fake. Oh, oh, okay, okay. It's okay. So, so it I wasn't just uh, that they used a photo sure, sure. from New York City in 2003. It was a f it was a fake photo. Okay. All right. A, a well-known um, like Snopes said this was fake. Just to clarify the the claim. Gosh, I've had so many students complain about scores just to and get caught in the in the in the dumbest things that i i feel like i feel like that the i feel like number two has to be true okay i feel like that, that I, I feel like that is that is a pro oopsie maneuver so we've got the it accomplice and we get the power outage um okay so between the two the it accomplice so the fact the student couldn't produce the the actual assignments okay has to have a buddy at IT. Well, students do have friends that work at IT. And then the power... Okay, I, I think I think someone is not dumb enough to submit the picture. So I'm going to say New York. The, the power outage. The C is the fake one. C is indeed the fake one. Um, yes! I, I went over the top with that one, admittedly. Uh, maybe, maybe I've gone too over the top with these. Made it too obvious. I need I need some practice. Uh, okay, was, was, B, was B yours? B was, was mine. Was that a, B, was B like, specifically happened to me. Uh, at 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 UVA, yes. I was trying to think. I was like, that sounds really familiar to yeah. me. Maybe that was what. I mean, it wasn't as obvious as the one where I chose the one that happened to the well, two of yeah, us. That, that literally <laughs> happened to the two of us that we had talked about like a week earlier. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Okay. Last one. This is this is about grade grubbing. Okay. 
A student claimed that their final grade, a 90.7, which was an A-, should be rounded up to a 91, so that they could then argue that their grade should be changed to a 92 so they could get an A, which was the threshold for an A. Okay. That, yeah. was, that was A. B. A student with a C asked that their grade be changed to a B, and in exchange, the student said, the next time I take a class from you, you can reduce my grade a letter. <laughs> you got it. You got hang it. On, on, hang on, hang on, away. hang on, hang on. Oh, there's more? C. No, no, that's the end of that one. C. Oh, okay. The, a student had a C- minus in a course, but needed a C for graduation credit. Okay. The student opted to take an optional final in the course and failed significantly. Okay. However, they appealed their grade because they didn't understand how an F on the optional final didn't bump their grade up to a C. How an F on the optional final did not bump their grade up to a C. Okay, so we've got the round into round into round. Yep. Spin me round right there. Uh, what was the second one? The second one was a student. Uh, the student pulled the wimpy. I'll, I'll, I'll pay you Tuesday oh, for a hamburger oh. today. The uh, oh. gi- give me a letter grade boost now and you can you can take away a letter grade later. In a later that is, semester. That is amazing. And, and a student had uh, the last one being the student uh, failed an optional final, which didn't bump their grade up, and they were confused by this fact. Okay, I am I am confident that C, that C has happened. Okay. I, that ha- I, that has to have happened. Um, that that just that. Are you sure? Yeah, that's screw. All right, all right uh, go, I ahead, go ahead. That, no, no, I I I still feel like that would have to have happened. Okay. Um, so I'm gonna choose between A and B here. Um. Uh, rounding or I'm gonna I'm gonna go with A. I'm gonna go with A because is anyone really that? It's like I need it rounded to here so that I can argue to round it to here so I can argue to round it to here. That's just seems so, so you're gonna go with a student asking a professor to increase their grade a letter so that if the student takes a class for that professor later, they can take that letter grade back. That's, that's that what... is the fake one, yes. You're saying no, that's wait. the fake one or the real one? Oh hang on. Okay, hang on. Hang on. You're saying the, one now, or two now, was the fake one, sorry. Now now I'm getting confused. Okay, gosh. So uh... so so the first one, just to clarify again. The student had a 90.7 and needed a 92. So they wanted their grade rounded up to a 91 because they thought it would make their argument easier to get an A. Okay, okay, okay. B is the fake. No B student fake. has B B is the fake. No student has asked for a grade loan. Okay. Actually, B comes from the professor subreddit. I made up A. Uh, oh, um, with the other no, way. I, I, I mean, obviously, I can't say A has never happened, but sure. I. I could I have not found a such a claim um and uh I I I personally have not received such a claim. A, a was the fake one. I so okay that was a very very good one particularly coupled with B cuz both of those are just both yeah. ludicrous. Yeah. 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 I uh, I, I can kind of understand 3 just because people hear optional final and they think oh extra credit and so any points I get must improve my grade rather than like you know, being an extra assignment. Sure. All right. Well, we have a bit of a theme we do. for today for for the for the questions, and and we we have already gone a little bit long with 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 the segment, which is fine by me. Um, uh, but but the theme that we had talked about for today that, that uh, Bernie uh, pitched was uh, well, uh, go ahead. What what was the theme you pitched? So the theme was just talking about different software failures uh, que- uh, questions around them or, or events around them and so when i wanted to focus on software goes bad when good software goes bad actually it's when, it's bad bad software goes bad but with bad software goes bad badder yeah well so i wanted to start with something that when software goes bad that a lot of people have seen and that is the blue screen of death that Ooh. that glorious beautiful shade of Duke blue that just reminds you how much you might not like Duke says the person from Wake Forest in North Carolina state, um, telling you that, Hey, there's a problem in windows. And what's interesting is that we, we, it's called the blue screen of death, but in reality, 
it's actually more like the emergency brake, right? Mm-hmm. Because what it's doing is, is if if there's a major major problem with the machine, let something like perhaps your your CPU is about to overheat and do physical damage. Right. The blue screen is the the kernel, which is the 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 tiniest teeniest most essential smallest part of the operating system that does you know the control stuff kind of the way to think about it. the beating heart um says whoa and it just stop and let's see what's going on mm. and you can continue from there so it's not necessarily the blue screen of death it's the blue screen of hey let me help you out here but the question is why is the blue screen of death blue why is the blue screen of death blue well that's a good so my first instinct would be, I mean, uh, uh, it's been the blue screen of death for as long as I can remember. Windows 3.0. So it, so yeah, so it, so it has been blue for a long time. So, so anymore, it's blue strictly because of historical reasons, making, uh, you know, keeping the interface similar over time. Um, why was it initially blue? Is that the question? Mm-hmm. Um, and why, I mean, it has remained blue. I mean, right. even the blue screen well, in Windows 10 is blue. Right, yeah, no, no. That, so was, I, a, that I, was a dumb statement. Yeah, no, I understand why blue. it, like, once you pick a color, it's probably going to stay that color. Sure. Why was it initially picked to be blue? I would guess it would be because very early computer monitors um, could probably only render a very small number of colors. Maybe even just red, green, and blue and black and white. Ah, uh, oh, let, let's go down that path. Yeah. Okay. Red, green, and blue. Okay, so, or and also black. Right. Right, because yeah. you could just not, or, or white. So right. black, white, which would be, our, you know, all of RGB on is white. Yes. All of Correct. RGB off is black. And yep. then each of those three primary colors. So, because it's the kernel. Right. It needs to be simple, mm-hmm. right? So, black, well, that doesn't work because that doesn't look like there's a problem. Right. White doesn't necessarily work because then you it, you just can't really see it or whatever. So let's go through the other ones. Red. Okay, that may be, but that that indicates like, you know, DEFCON level 5, like right. like it's really bad. Green. Well, green's happy. Mm-hmm. Right. So it can't be green. Yeah. Every everything's so, fine. It's green. Yeah. <laughs> so we end up with blue. Huh. And uh, it is one of the, you know, it is one of the default easiest colors for because, because the kernel has to have its own video driver because right. it can't use anything else on the machine. And so that very simple video driver needs to be able to just put just text mode, single color. Here's some text. That's it. Right. And so when you look at the options, blue makes the most sense. And as a matter of fact, that that just became the standard for a lot of different MIPS machines, other early computers. Mm-hmm. Um uh, there's uh, some uh, some text here, some article here from John Vert and from Raymond Chin, who were some of the original designers of Windows and Windows NT, and that they not only, you know, this art- idea about RGB using blue, but also it was like, well, we were actually using, blue was the default color of our text editor, and it looked good, so we just went with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, so when, when, yeah, you see that blue screen of death, or or on a Mac, it's the spinning beach ball of death, which right. is when the cursor turns to the, the 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 pinwheel and it keeps right, going. Right. What's going on there is it, it's not it something has gone wrong, but it's your computer trying to protect your computer from things going even more wrong. Um, right. And yeah, you'll you, you might lose some stuff, but you know that 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 particular error that you might see something. So there you go. That that's that's kind of my introduction to when software goes wrong. It turns out that Windows did have at one point in the beta version of Vista, they did have uh, a red screen of death, but it later became a black screen. Oh, interesting. So, worth noting. Hmm. The more you know. Yeah. You got one for me. All right. Well, here's the question. Hmm. What the hell happened in Iowa in the primary in 2020? The Democratic primary in Iowa in 2020. It took us, what, like a week and a half or two weeks to get the results? Oh, right. What the hell happened? So the software they were using for caucusing was not reporting something. I don't remember the exact story, but there was some. The reports were taking longer to come in. Um, 
And and one of one of the key issues was that there was difficulty just reporting the results from the precincts. The precincts had the results, but they uh-huh. had difficulty reporting them. And and so what one part of it we'll talk about, but that, you know, what 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 actually happened? Do do, do you have any insight here? I don't to be completely honest, I don't even remember much about the story. I I think I remember seeing well, okay, let's get one part of this out of the way. I'm trying to forget everything yeah, yeah. About, about the general time in in United States history as a general rule. Um, I, I mean, I, I remember there being some various news articles about there being an issue. And of course, you know, talking heads were saying things. But this was about the time when I started burying my head in the sand. So well, I did not have to listen to any of this. Yeah, it, it, yeah it, it, to be clear. The election was in full swing. This was still, um, this was 2020, but it was pre-pandemic landfall in the U.S. before, you know, we, we started doing isolation procedures, for example. So this was before, was it like, February-ish? Yeah, it was It was early February, so it was early yeah. March when, you know, universities actually started going online and, and things that like that. That would be March 14th. Yeah. <laughs> I know yes. that one. Yes. Yeah. You, 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 you and I were uniquely affected by that. You, you more so, but we were both. Uh, on the other side of the country at that point, which made it a bit awkward. Yeah, canceling an All event right. out but, from but, under us. Okay. Anyway, so er, early February takes a week and a half to get the results of the Iowa primary, which has a history for for better and frankly for worse of setting the tone for the the uh, primaries for both parties. What happened mm-hmm. with the Democratic caucus? Uh they didn't. Do I don't yeah. know. Well, I really so, don't. So there's there's actually a number of issues. So first, I just want to read this paragraph that I found in a CNBC article about this. All right. You know, the, nothing gets me more excited than the statement. Yeah. Let me read this paragraph from it, it's, CNBC it's very article. It's it's two sentences. The Iowa this Democrats were using an application made by a partisan progressive startup named Shadow Incorporated. <laughs> managed by a non-profit investment company called Acronym. Oh my god, In a I was hoping it was going be- Acronym distanced itself from Shadow. <laughs> like, if, if so- you were trying to make up company names to be, like, intentionally nefarious-sounding as possible, Shadow and Acronym are, like, at, le- at least top ten. Evil Inc. Yeah. Was this not the plot of the latest Austin Powers movie? Yeah. So there's a number of issues. So first, there Shadow. were actually problems with the app. But one of the underlying software engineering messages that I want to take away is first and foremost, they were using software for results reporting or to supplement results reporting. A lot of them were still reported by phone lines. We'll talk about why in a second. In 2016, and everything was fine. And that software was built by Microsoft. Then in 20- I hear they good they do good stuff. And then in 2020, they said, "Well, let's use a different application." And so they had a custom app built for reporting caucus results. So they were replacing a working product with an unknown product, which is. You just described how I install Linux on every new machine yeah. sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but but that is generally like. One thing to take away from that is every software project has risk. And mm-hmm. starting from scratch carries with it a huge list of unknowns that occurred. In this case, that, that is what happened. But the results reporting specifically was built for Android phones. And, and we all know, you know, you, you've gone down to the poll workers. You've seen the hip young folk with their lattes. <laughs> We're playing around on their laptop, you know, downloading the latest MP3s as the young folk are want to do, right? You know, very tech-savvy folk, the typical poll worker in Iowa, as we all oh know, God. right? So this Man, you is, just killed our entire Iowa audience. So this is, this is, well, well no, just specifically poll workers. This is a problem okay. with, no, no, because this is a problem of not understanding your user base. Uh, that yeah. In Iowa, there isn't wide-scale, high-speed cellular network coverage 
And True. there's not mm-hmm. as much a demand for it because you generally don't, you know, when you're talking an older population, they're not using smartphones the same way that younger people are. They, If they use internet stuff, they've probably developed habits with a computer. I mean, I personally don't really like using my smartphone for the internet. And I'm I'm 33. The average age of a poll worker is is much higher because it's often people who are retired, which is why they, they have yeah, the time to do that. And mm-hmm. so... In addition to first, uh, someone independently tried to test the app and followed procedure. They referred to them, and this was like a tech reporter at uh, at CNBC, it's someone who would soon be tech savvy. They said that it failed to install on half of the Android phones they tried, just failed to install. On one, it wouldn't load. And once they actually got it to load, once they tried to follow the labyrinthine instructions, they said they could not get the results to submit. So, so there was so there was actually a problem y- with using the app where an expert had trouble with it, let alone a, a the typical poll worker in Iowa. You just described half of the projects I got back when I taught my mobile class. And then and then from there, yeah. So from there. So what do what did people do? Well, a lot of people didn't want to use the app to begin with. Hey, requirements engineering much, right? A lot of people just didn't mm-hmm. want the app because they were happy using the existing phone system that had been in use, you know, yeah. for a long time and for was reliable and worked well. But the, the app was so promising that they didn't have enough staff to work the phones because they figured they wouldn't need them. Everyone will be able to upload their results through the app. So there's just a confluence of factors here and just a confluence of lessons to learn. First, every project has risk. Second, know who's going to use your software and build it with them in mind, not with tech, not necessarily with your developer perspective. Third, if something is working, replacing it really needs to be a a careful considered decision and in this case you probably shouldn't replace something that has been working that has the backing of microsoft a well-established company with a reputation that it very clearly cares about with shadow a subsidiary of acronym I just can see like the board meeting here. It's like, well, 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 Jim, well, Susan, we have the two options here right before us. Here is the one from micro macro macro. You know what? They've got this little windows icon. I'm not really sure if I trust these folks, but Hey, how about this new jam from shadow? Oh, that name just inspires confidence. Are they a subsidiary company? As a matter of fact, they are from this company called acronym. What's the acronym? No, it's acronym. Wait, wait, it's who's like on who's first? On... <laughs> exactly. Third base. You no, um... Dude, beat me the joke. Oh my gosh. Okay, it, it, admittedly though, it is still kind of dumb that Google is now part of Alphabet. So that's, you know, it's it's kind of at the same. It's yeah. kind of the same, but, you know, yeah. Oh, gracious. Well, I want to talk about a pandemic. Okay. No, see, that's the part where you're supposed to run away in terror. I mean, uh, but- I, no, I was just going to zone you out as I as I quietly sip my drink that is going to keep me awake to finish these paper reviews. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hopefully you didn't get my... Actually, I don't think you can get my paper. I think I put you down as a conflict of interest. No. Which makes sense. But no, I do want to talk about a plague. As a matter of fact, the plague is called Corrupted Blood. Um, it's, it's COVID-21. COVID- <laughs> no, is, it's is, actually... Is this going around right now? <laughs> No, uh, it is not. And the plague has been has been saved, has 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 been cured. But the plague, of course, did not happen in, quote unquote, real life. It happened in the world of Azeroth, which ah. is the world from the world of Warcraft. Uh, it is a video game that I've played uh, more than I would like to admit, probably. Um, but there's actually been uh, some interesting software failures that have happened here that had to do with this plague. So uh, how much do you know about the, the, the corrupted blood plague and how it works? Um, all right. So what, what I assume is first we have some blood, right? Okay. But it yep. gets corrupted. 
Oh, and then wow. it spreads two. from person to spreads. person, uh, much like in, in a way as to be considered a plague. How, how am I doing so far? I, uh, you know what? It it is is if you just kind of wrote the entire story yourself. So here's what happened, and and and, and for those that that are listening that don't play World of Warcraft, don't worry. This has an interesting tie-in to today, believe it or not, at the end. So in the game World of Warcraft, it is very common for players to get together to try to go through dungeons to defeat very difficult bosses to win, you know, various new armor and mm-hmm. things like that. That's kind of the that's kind of the loop of the game. Okay. Well, at, at, uh, this was several years ago that this happened, that Blizzard, the company that makes World of Warcraft, they added a new dungeon. Uh, this new dungeon, I'm, I don't want to, it wasn't Zulgarub, it was, yeah, it was Zulgarub. I had it right. Uh, at the end of this dungeon was a boss, uh, a huge um, serpent, winged serpent thing. Doesn't really matter what it do was. You have to, do you have but, to watch the tail? Can it kick what? you into the whelp cave? Uh, no, just, that's just a different proceed. This is so, okay. someone will get this meme. Okay, I'm glad. So, what this boss could do was cast this, uh, this, this attack against the players, and the players would have to basically agree to take on the corrupted blood plague, which mm-hmm. then yada yada yada. It was a way of it was an interesting mechanic for beating the boss so that the so players would get infected can, with the plague. Just can I? I'm assuming that basically a player has to agree to take it and then just stand away from everyone else so it doesn't spread to them. I, well, the idea actually was, if you're curious about the game mechanic, was the player took on the plague so that when the boss attacked them, it would then like be the boss would be infected. And so the idea okay, was I you, see, I see. All right, cool. you use yeah. the plague as a way. A- anyway, so the players got the plague. OK, and Blizzard uh, was very proud of this dungeon. It was great. The players would leave and they would be cured of the plague because I mean, right. it was just part of the mechanic. It of the was boss. just they an didn't individual boss mechanic. Right. However, they missed one thing that they were, should have done. And it was an oopsie. So in the game, there is a class called a hunter and a hunter has a pet and the ah. pet. Yes. Pets could be dogs. They could be wolves. They could be so, so tigers. The all sorts of things by uh, infected fleas on wild animals. So, Yep. So uh, the, a, a pet would get the plague and the, the pet would be dismissed and whatever. And the, the player would go back to one of the major cities in Azeroth in this game and they would summon their pet. And then the plague would hit the city and literally everyone dies because it was a high level dungeon. It was a high level dungeon and it did a lot of damage. And these were all basically novice intro level players or like the shopkeepers and, and of course, the would, second anyone figures this out, every single troll starts doing it intentionally. And that is exactly yeah. what happens. And so this this took over a month for Blizzard to figure out what was going on and how they were able to get the plague out of the dungeon mm-hmm. into the cities. But yes, did, once did some Blizzard people try think, horse dewormer? Oh, no. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, let's not go down All that right, path. I'm sorry. That, so, that's a minus 50 DKP for me. There you go. So so what's super interesting about this, though, is that um, in recent years, academic researchers have gone back to the, the corrupted blood plague from World of Warcraft to see not only how the, a plague could spread mm-hmm. when there was no protection against it, but also looked at some of the social things that were happening at the time. So players would would basically announce out uh, throughout the throughout the world on the server saying hey someone is hitting stormwind this major city isolate like they would literally <laughs> put themselves in quarantine they would go to other zones in the game mm-hmm. and not go to the major cities and so psychologists were looking at it sociologists were looking at it um uh, people who modeled disease were looking at it and to this day this interesting software bug has informed how we deal with plagues on some level. So her for the horde. <laughs> well, so I, I, there is actually, I, I am fascinated a lot by the, by the social psychology of, um, of, of these online 
largely social interaction based games there and and it is fun how they get studied uh one of my favorite examples of that is in eve there was a snit a stalemate between two superpowers and so they went to war with each other because they were bored uh yeah <laughs> eve online being a spacefaring uh multiplayer yeah. game where people buy ships and fly yeah, and, around and, and stuff and like it was something like hundreds of thousands of dollars of real world money or at least equivalent real world money was lost in the battle that they did because they were bored. You know, gamers got a game. Yeah. There you go. Uh, I guess, I guess, you know, sometimes you don't, you don't need more dots. I swear <laughs> someone's going to get this reference. Okay. I got that one. I got that one. Do you have another failure to discuss? I do. Um, one that often gets misstated and, 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 and described inaccurate, and it is the Mars Climate Orbiter. Oh, is this the one where it's, uh, done in metric, but wasn't, in, wasn't Imperial yada, 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 slam into Mars, boom, boom, boom? Yeah, is so, it that one? so it often gets quoted as, A, someone forgot to convert uh, feet to meters or inches to centimeters or whatever, which is false. Two, that the satellite slammed into the planet, which is false. Um, and three... I'm two for two. <laughs> and three, that this was um, just explicitly, you know, NASA's fault. Which, I mean, NASA's ultimately responsible, but it actually wasn't... The, the, the origination of the fault was not theirs. Okay, so, so I really need to be corrected on this because I've been telling that exact story yeah. for years. So the first thing I think it was on the was it on the slides that we did this past week? Uh it I, I think it, it gets mentioned. Um <laughs> maybe but, you skipped it. So the, the first thing to mention is that um space is big, citation needed. And that's not going to be our, no, our, our not, title. No, this we're not going to do the citation are. needed. But, no. uh, you know, insert Douglas Adams quote here. And so you if you launch a, a, a satellite off Earth and it, it goes to try to approach Mars, you know, you're going to you're going to have a path that even with very precise targeting and everything could vary by, you know, literally tens, hundreds, thousands of kilometers just based on the weather when you launch. And it's sure. like atmospheric pressure. So you have to make in-flight adjustments. From there, it wasn't the satellite like, oh, how far am I am? Oh, you're a thousand kilometers. No, they were actually a thousand miles. It, it wasn't that. It was on the ground, they needed to program the mid-flight burn so that it would approach the Martian atmosphere and just like barely skirt against it to slow down as a way to enter stable orbit. Cause that's the only way to slow down in space. You can't slow down by hitting the brakes cause there's nothing to break against. So they had a piece of software that had multiple pieces of software integrated. One of which was designed to calculate the thrust. And this was uh, the thrust to apply for the adjustment. And this was built by Lockheed Martin. And who know a thing about shooting yeah. and the second things. part was in-house NASA software that would actually take that number like that would be interpret interpreted from that and actually send that to the satellite to generate that thrust. Okay. So the thing is the specification of the software that NASA provided Lockheed Martin very clearly said use SI units that is use metric units very clearly said this. Okay. Lockheed Martin software used English units. That was their result they produced. That number, which was just trusted, because, you know, I, you just sung the praise of Lockheed Martin. Hey, perfect example, right? Was trusted, yeah. was taken at face value and applied. So the, the actual unit wasn't feet to meters. It, it's units of thrust, which is, you know, uh, for... Force time Thrust, seconds. Rustians. Uh, force time seconds. So it's it's you know uh, pound foot seconds versus newton seconds is is how you would describe it. Well, a okay. a newton second it takes like four and a half newton seconds roughly to make a pound second. 
So what happened was it was the satellite was going to approach or the, the trajectory it was that was calculated was going to approach a little bit too close. So they adjusted by doing a little burn so the orbit would be a little bit wider. The problem is that trajectory calculation fell prey to the same problem. And so the expected trajectory started decreasing. Uh, that is, it, pa it was passing closer and closer to the planet as the flight was going, which is weird in space because, again, there's not, like, air resistance, right? Uh. So they were trying to figure out why this happened, and they were trying to troubleshoot at the time, but, of course, you're moving very fast in space. They weren't able to fix the issue. It did not slam into the planet. It went too deep into the atmosphere, and it likely burned up, or it's possible that it skipped off the atmosphere, but with enough force to damage the satellite such that it couldn't be utilized anymore, and actually just uh -huh. shot out in the space. That's that's also very possible. It's it would be impossible, even with Mars' thin atmosphere, it would just be impossible for it to actually like hit the planet without having burned up to, to ash beforehand. Well, that ruins the story a little bit, now, but... I, the error originated with Lockheed Martin. Who is at fault? Lockheed Martin or NASA? Uh, was the developer at fault for not following specification and not providing mm -hmm. the data correct, or was NASA at fault for not verifying the data mm -hmm. when it was coming in before making a very important correction? Yeah. Uh, that's an interesting that's an interesting way of phrasing it because Well so to, to, know, to be clear, NASA knew there was a problem because when this system was being used, you were already on approach to Mars. So they didn't have a lot of time to work with at the time. Right. Yeah. Right. So NASA um, actually takes responsibility. Uh, they, they took well, they responsibility were, for it, even though it wasn't their error, because they didn't verify it. And I guess on some level, Lockheed Martin was subcontracting to them, and it was NASA's project. It's kind mm -hmm. of one of those buck in, you know, buck stops here sort of thing. Right. But, hmm. The, the point being, fault is not always just a clear line that can be drawn in these types of situations, because... You can't just say, well, my code worked, but the code that I used, it was their problem. Because you have a responsibility, you know, to, to reasonably do what you can to make sure that the code works as best as possible as a whole system. So Software is tricky. It is. I, it just, you know, it, it, this is something we certainly teach and, and something that, you know, I, I think that the average... I think that the average person needs to at least know or at least be somewhat cognizant of that um, when when putting together a piece of software, um, so much of it hinges on not only knowing what the software needs to do, because so much of so much of software error is not understanding need, as you well pointed out with the with the, the Iowa caucuses and not understanding what um the actual requirements are more so than, oh, I left off a semicolon or a parenthesis somewhere in the software as a compile. The software tools are pretty dang good right now that a lot of that is caught. A lot of the, oh, uh, oopsie, I, you know, I divided by zero or something like that. A lot of those end up getting caught. Mm -hmm. It is much more of a human problem than it is an actual technical problem. Right. I mean, there are certainly technical problems still out mm -hmm. there, but. I, w I would wager that way more happens from a misunderstanding mm -hmm. of customer to um, to developer than developer just didn't do something right. Yeah. All right. There we go. All right. There you go. So, you know, next time you're out there using some software, think think kindly upon those that have that have put it together for you and know that. You know, not everything is perfect and that bugs do ship um, because th th things always happen. And, and hopefully that it doesn't ruin your day too much. But that will do it for us today on the latest episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you if you joined us last week for the live episode. That was unusual. Weird. <laughs> It was what? That was unusual. It was weird. It was yeah. unusual. I, you know, listening back to that audio, I sounded like an absolute maniac. <laughs> I sounded like I was just screaming my head off 
and and you just sounded perfect, like calm, calm, and collected. I'm like, hey, how's it going? I'm sitting here just screaming through my double mask, wondering, you know, is it yeah. getting through? Yeah. And then listen it back. I'm like, well, it, I it, probably terrified those children. Yeah, it, it, they're not children. It's they're. tricky. I'm having a hard time with the with the sound balancing with the double mask on myself as well. So, yeah, and then and then adding that in. Now we're also sending it off to zoom as well for yeah. the students that don't feel comfortable which i which we should be doing i mean i i don't yeah. have a problem with that it's just it's a okay, lot of where do i stand yeah it's a lot, a lot of, of different balancing cables. yeah but um it's great to be back to recording normal episodes classes now getting going will and i almost have our feet underneath us as far as class stuff is going on mm-hmm. so hopefully it won't affect any uh future recordings but um if this is your first time joining us. Welcome. We would love it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast on the the podcast service of your choice, whether that be Spotify or Anchor FM or Apple Podcasts. You can go to regradequest.com to see all of the different services that you can find the podcast on and subscribe where you want to do so. It would be great if you would leave us a rating, leave us a review. And if you have a question that you'd like us to talk about or now if you have a theme that you would like to pitch us to say, hey, what about a show about questions about X or whatever it might be? We would love to hear it. Love to have more suggestions. So for myself and Professor McBurney, take care, be safe, and watch the falling goats. Make sure also when you're calculating the trajectory of falling goats that you use a consistent uh, measure, either metric or SI, or sorry, metric and SI. Do you think either metric or English? You can do either. Do you you think goats are using English or use metric? Um.